So listen, as we talk about this message today, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're struggling through. I don't know if you're celebrating or if you're mourning today, but I want you to see this. This is very clear. Never lose hope. Follow God's plan. And you say, well, how do we get inside this message? I want you to see. Let's go to Acts chapter 21. We're going to finish this chapter today. Acts 21, verses 23 through 40. And you're going to see that God was doing a work in Paul's life. And we've been, if you've been with our church for some time, we know that Paul has struggled through. Paul was called by God as an apostle. Paul was called by God to actually suffer for his glory. Paul was called by God to preach to the Gentiles. Now, does anybody have a Jewish background in the building? Like your family heritage is Jewish? Anybody? Aren't you glad that Paul preached to the Gentiles? Your mama, your daddy, your grandma, somebody got the word of Jesus Christ to them because Paul was their preacher. Our Peter was their preacher. God sent his word around the world. When he told those disciples there in the book of Acts, you shall be my witnesses where? Starting here in our hometown of Jerusalem. Then you're going to go to Judea, Samaria to where? The ends of the earth. America is the ends of the earth from the Middle East. But now we're going back, and we saw about missions this morning. We're going back now around the world because our great commission, our commission today is to keep going. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, as you go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I taught you. And he says, as we talked about this morning, and lo, I'm with you always until the end of the age, never to leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that a great promise from God? So Paul is going to get arrested today in our message. You say, well, that's happened all throughout the book of Acts, has it not? Paul's going to get beaten today in our message. You say, well, that's happened multiple times. Paul's going to get ridiculed and even call for his life. His own people, he's a Jew, he's also a Roman citizen, his own people are calling for his death, just like they did the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the story? We will talk about it at Easter when the people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. And as Jesus rode in on that donkey, as King of kings and Lord of lords, the people shouted, laid down palms. We have Palm Sunday because of this. Hosanna, Hosanna. They praised him. And just a short time later, they were yelling, crucify him. The same people. Does that sound like you and me today? Did you ever read the Old Testament, read the people of Israel going, those people are dumb. God said, you're my chosen people. I choose you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. I'll provide for you. I'll go with you. Wherever you go, I'm going with you. And they would serve him, and then they would do what? They would sin against him and turn their back on him. And he'd bring judgment, and you would say, what? They learned this time, and then you keep reading the Bible and go, they did it again. And they did it again. And they did it again. And you can pass judgment on them really quick, can't we? Something's wrong with their head or their heart. And then we look in the mirror and see that person staring back at us, don't we? When the Lord tells us to be holy as I am holy, says the Lord in 1 Peter. Are you holy living every day? Can you live holy today? If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can live holy today. But it takes a willful obedience to the Holy Spirit, listening to him when he speaks, just like Paul did. Paul knew he was going into troubled waters. We talked about this morning in Sunday school, the scriptures before when he was at Philip's house, the prophet come down and said, the man who owns this belt, he will be tied up like this in Jerusalem and he'll be arrested. And all the, all the disciples said, Paul, please don't go. Don't go, don't go, don't go to Jerusalem. Because you go to Jerusalem, you know you're going to be punished or even tried to be killed. You're going to be arrested. And Paul said simply, last week we read, 
why are you breaking my heart? You know this is the will of God, this is the plan of God, I must go. And he went. And then we're going to pick up now where he was. This is Acts chapter 21, I'm going to pick up in verse 23. This is Paul, he has met with the church when he came to Jerusalem. First people he met with was the church. They celebrated together, they fellowshiped together, and then he met with church leadership. Church leadership said, Paul, there's a rumor going around uh, in the society with, among the church, the Christian Jews, and as well in society, that you're teaching contrary to the law of God. And if you were here, you know the temple is still standing. This is about, eight, this is about the 57 BC, so the temple is still standing. When does the temple get knocked down? 70, all right? I mean, AD, not BC, yes, before Christ, can't be before Christ. This is 57 AD, temple gets broken down here shortly. So the temple's still standing, they could, like Town Creek building, you could actually walk and see, that's the temple. So the transition, and we talked about this so many times, we'll say it over and over again, can you imagine how a, a, a Jewish man or woman would go from, we have to make sacrifices, to now Jesus is the Lamb of God? The traditions had to be, I mean, how many of you have been to church more than 20 years of your life? Anybody? No matter the, anybody more than 30? More than 40? Anybody more than 50 years in church? Anybody more than 60 years in church? We, this is like we got a bid war going on. Anybody more than 65 years? 70 years? 80 years? Mr. Bernard, you take the cake today. All right, so... You're old as Methuselah, Mr. Bernard, right? I'm just kidding. Mr. Bernard's one of our Sunday school teachers. He'll be teaching next Sunday at, at 9. And you know, I encourage you to come and hear wisdom. Do you think he's got something to say from the Lord? Absolutely. He's lived life, but he's also been a Christian man who's lived life. So there's something to be said. So Paul knows all these things are going to happen. He's talked to the elders of the church, and the church said, listen, let's show the community that you're not against the Jews, that you're one of us. Go into the temple, take these four men, pay for their purification rite, which was a Nazarite vow, shave their heads, be a part of it, and when the days, we know it was seven days because we'll read that in Scripture, when the days of purification are over, then everyone will know, everyone will see that you're truly a man of God. You love the Jewish ways, you're a man who's passionate about the law, and you're a man who's passionate about Christ. Now, many Jews, if we read the word in the New King James, or the King James says myriads, that means thousands upon thousands of Jews have come to Christ at this point. So some people teach that the church replaced Israel as God's chosen people. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I do not subscribe to that because you'll see right here that many of the Jews, and even today, Jewish people are accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. God still has a plan for Israel. Uh, you look at Israel, there's Israel future. You'll still see Israel. There's a plan God has for them in Revelation as we look forward. So there's still a plan for the people of Israel. But right now, in this time that we're in right now, God would that every man, woman, boy, and girl would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. A Jew does not get expressway to heaven. A Jew today must come by the way of the cross because the only way they could worship in the Old Testament and the New Testament time period up to AD, I mean, AD 70, was they had to go to the temple. The temple was the place of sacrifice. Tell me today, where does a Jewish man take his family or take his sacrifice where does he sacrifice the answer is he cannot for the last 2,000 years he's had no place to take his family's sacrifice to be forgiven of their sins why it's because God had a plan and God's plan was he would send his son to ransom from heaven God sent Jesus to earth we all celebrate it around the world no matter where we're from we sing we wish you a 
and we sing it over and over again. Who is the star of Christmas? His name is Christ. The Bible says he is Emmanuel. We sing about he's God with us. God came from heaven to earth to be with us. And the Bible says he come to save sinners from their sins. Anybody a sinner this morning? Absolutely. If you're born of your mother, you're a sinner. That river don't ever stop flowing. Every time there's a baby born, you go back to our nursery, you'll hear screaming. Those kids, all they want is somebody to feed them, somebody to hold them, and somebody to change their diaper. Right? Gimme, gimme, gimme. And when you turn four, what is it? Gimme, gimme. When you turn 40, what is it? Teenagers, senior adults, you name it, we're all sinners saying, gimme, gimme, I want to be a sinner of the show. Paul knew that, listen, he knew that about people because he was that very same way. He's going to give his story as we see starting today and then we'll see into next week. Let's read together, pick up in verse 23. So here's what he's going to do. The church is told, the leaders in the church said, go make this uh, right before all the people at the temple. Do this purification vow. Therefore, do what we tell you, verse 23. We have four men who have taken a vow, more than likely a Nazarite vow, you can look that up. Take them and be purified with them, pay their expenses so they may share the, shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. Verse 25, but concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and have decided that they should observe no such thing, except they should keep themselves from things that offered to idols they should keep themselves from blood. They should keep themselves from strangled things. And they should keep themselves from the sexual immorality. Verse 26, then Paul took the men and the next day having been purified with them, entered into the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification at which a time offering would, uh, should be made for each one of them. This is not a sin offering, by the way. This is a vow offering. They're making a commitment to God. Who's the sin offering from Paul? Who's the sin offering for you? Jesus Christ. So Paul would not go offer an Old Testament sin offering because he knows for a fact that the New Testament sin offering's already been made. There's already a new covenant, so Paul would never sin against God by going back to Judaism and making a sin offering. He knows it's already been completed. This is actually an offering he would make because of purification. Verse 27, now when the seven days were almost ended, and that's key in your Bible, almost ended, the Jews from Asia seeing him, that's where he just came from, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people. He teaches against the law and he teaches against this place, the temple. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the, the Ephesian with him in the city whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And by the way, that's how rumors get started. If you think you saw something, if you suppose you saw something, and you're not 100% sure that you saw something, then you should keep your mouth shut, close, right? You ain't got time to meddle in somebody else's business with your own business you got to take care of. Isn't that true? So sometimes, even in the scriptures, the Lord puts it plain for us, puts it clear. Don't assume something because you saw something or you think you saw something. What do you do even if you're not a Christian? If you want to make it right, what should you do? If you got a question of someone's integrity or something about someone, what should you do? 
There's an old saying, you go to the horse's mouth, right? You go and ask, what is the truth? Because a horse will tell you the truth, right? You go to the person, is this true? And if it is true, then if it's a sin, especially in the church, that's where Matthew 18 church discipline takes place, that we come together, and if they won't listen to us one-on-one with brother and sister, then we go get another witness or two, and we together sit together and we say, brother, sister, this is not biblical. This is not the way of God. This is not God's way. And if they won't hear us, the Bible says, let them speak before the church. Could you imagine a man or woman standing in this place saying, I want to tell the church today, I am a Christian, but I want to tell you why I'm cheating on my wife. Do you think somebody would be that bold to stand here? In our culture, just about, I guess you could. I mean, anything goes, it seems like today in our culture. But no one's going to stand here in a holy place because this is God's place, not because the concrete's holy, right? God's people's here. That's what makes it holy. God's presence is here. That's what makes it holy, not the building. We don't worship this building. If it burns tomorrow, we'll do something else. We'll meet under outside. We'll meet by the pond. Meet somebody's houses, break out. We'll do something different. But God's people have gathered today. Together today. And when, when, listen, the church has to take responsibility and do it the way God said to do it. Matthew 18, 15, look for yourself. If they won't hear the people, if they won't hear the church, then we cast them out like pagans, like tax collectors. And then we pray like crazy because if they are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will take them, listen, sin will take them further than they want to go, won't it? It'll cost them more than they want to pay. And when they're broken down and then come back to the church, that's the church's responsibility, not because somebody hurt my feelings, it's because of the banner of Christ. When somebody who's repentant says, listen, I want to be forgiven, who are we to stand in the gap and say, nope, you did this against us. You stole some money from the church. You did the wrong thing here or there. Here's what we do. We stand back in the, in the presence, if you will, of God, pray for them and receive them as a brother or a sister. We forgive them because they go to God first. Who are we? You hear people today saying, I just can't forgive them because they hurt me. If you've ever said that, you're telling God he's a liar. You can forgive because forgiveness is a pair of invisible handcuffs that you have the key to. And God's given you the key. Some people say, well, I just can't serve the Lord. I can't forgive myself. Are you better than God? If God can forgive you and God can forgive them, who are you and who am I? They said, Pastor, you don't understand. I don't understand, and I don't want to go there with you. But you can forgive. It's hard. Forgiveness is a, listen, it's tough as a human to forgive. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you start praying, Lord, help me help them, help me forgive them, it's a process. I would give you that. It's not a, a bubblegum machine where you drop a quarter and spin it, and out comes the prize. It is a process. You might be angry at God today and you can't forgive God. God, why did you and fill in the blank, whatever the blank might be? He's okay with that. He's God. But don't spend 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years saying, I just can't forgive those who hurt me. I just can't forgive myself. Because what you're doing is putting yourself at the place of God. What if Paul did that? This is his own people. He's a Jew. This is his people by race. This is his people by, if you would, the Old Testament covenant. These are the people that he loved. He asked Christ, let me go to them. I would die so they might be saved. Let me go to my people, Lord. Watch what they do to him. They made these rumors because they assumed that Paul brought this Gentile into the temple to the area where it's forbidden for Gentiles to come. Paul, as you will well see if you read the scriptures, he's a very educated man. 
possibly a PhD or beyond, did he know better than to bring a non-Jew into the temple area of the Jews? Yes, there was a court for the women. There was a court for the men. There was a place for the high priest. Paul knew all these things. If you study the scripture, you'll find that he knew these things because he was a Pharisee. Paul knew this. So the rumors were not true, but yet they spoke them about Paul. Watch what happens. Does this not sound like today? Sounds like Portland, Oregon, or the West Coast, or even what's happening now in our big cities. And all the city was disturbed. What did the people do? The people ran together, seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. They didn't try to stop it. They just shut the doors. Take that mess outside. You ever, you ever have your mama tell you that? Or grandma tell you that? Take that mess outside. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, what was their intent, church? They had murder on their mind. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped. Do what does your Bible say? They were beating him. They had full intentions of killing him. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. This is how rumors get started. And this is what happens. You hear it every time in counseling. When I go to counseling, this happens every single time when I get in a counseling situation. He said, she said, well, what's your part in it? Because every time there's an argument, every time there's a problem, the Bible says, you sound in Proverbs, you read the Proverbs, it sounds like you're right until a witness comes. And when your neighbor comes and brings witness, then the judge can hear correctly. Keep going with me and watch what happens. 34, and some among the multitudes cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. That's the army barracks. When he had reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people following after him, crying out, away with him, same as crucify him. They wanted him, what? Dead. They're, they're not playing around. Then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, would you please kill them all? Is that what your Bible says? Would that what we would say sometimes? He says what? May I speak to you? And he replied, can you speak Greek? Young people, listen, can I encourage you? While you're in class, haven't learned Spanish as a second language, German, French, whatever it might be. You never know the day that God's going to equip you as a young person to actually do something when you become an adult. Paul had to learn this. He didn't learn Greek on the fly. He had to learn Greek. Obviously, his mother and father had put him in training. We know where some of his education come from because he speaks about that. But the answer is, let me ask you today, did Paul speak Greek? Yes, because he moves on. He goes on. Can you speak Greek? And then the question is, here's a misunderstanding. Are you not the Egyptian who at some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of no mean city. And I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. By the way, quick reminder, these are the same people who just tried to kill him. And they're still shouting. The crowd's loud. Can you imagine right now? They're in the barracks on the stairs. People are shouting, away with him, crucify him. We want him dead. And Paul's having a conversation in Greek. And then he turns. So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language saying, and we won't go into the next chapter. 
Some of your Bibles might say, well, he probably spoke in Aramaic, the common language of the day. What did your Bible say? What was Hebrew, what was Hebrew to Paul? That was his mother language, if you will. That was the language of the temple. Only the, fair, only the priest would speak constantly in Hebrew. So it was a very, if you will, the holy language. It was the language set aside that God gave to the Hebrew people. So when Paul could command the Greek to the Greek speaking, Paul could command the Hebrew. He spoke as one of the priests. He, he didn't just say it. He didn't have cool words or, or small words like me. When I go to, when we travel overseas, we learn quick words, right? Water, bathroom, right? Uh, that's uh, those questions we ask teach me that language in the language Paul commanded the Greek Paul commanded the Hebrew and yes he commanded the Aramaic of the day but when he spoke in Hebrew the Bible says the people got if you keep reading even quieter they wanted to hear more because he speaks like the priest he speaks the mother language he speaks the holy language that God gave to our people so they got quieter I want you to turn to your notes and look and see this in your notes, if you would, really quick. Paul's life is filled with the skillful workings of the hand of God. Can you see that? God's put in place after place after place. When he was a kid, he had to learn Greek in somebody's class. Somebody was his teacher. When he was a child or young person, he had to learn Hebrew. But Dad, why are we going to learn Hebrew? Everybody else is speaking Aramaic. Why do we, why do we have to learn Hebrew? This is, that's an old dead language. Don't we say that about Latin today? Isn't Latin a dead language? Is it still used today? In the medical fields and other places, it's still used. Yes, it is. Why do I have to learn that? Dad was just making him have a well-rounded education. Mom was just making sure he's going to get, have an education. He can go to college. He can get it whatever he needs to get because we know we, he's set under the feet of a very important teacher. He, he was a learned man. Why do I need to learn all this stuff? Why do I need to learn the law? Why do I need to learn this? Why do I need to be a Pharisee? I don't be a Pharisee. Why do I need to learn how to make tents with my hands, Dad? Why do, why do I have to do all this extra stuff? Everybody else is playing. Everybody else is doing something else. And yet his father, we never know about his father and mother if they were Christians, if they ever accepted Christ. We don't even hear of them. We know that he had all this training, whether he wanted it or not, he was taught these things. And it come to bear on his life in his older age. God used the very things he learned as a child to actually bless, if you will, the name of God when he became a man. To the Greek, he spoke Greek. To the Hebrews, he spoke Hebrew. And of course, to Aramaic, he spoke regularly. God prepared Paul throughout his whole life to fulfill the will of God. This is something for us today. Believers today can see where God is at work and join him. This is the plan of God. You say, well, I don't understand why God let this happen. I don't know why God did this in my life. Here's the deal. Neither do I. So if you tell me about it, I won't fully understand it. And we, we pray for things selfishly, don't we? We, we pray for people to be healed. We, we pray for mountains to move. We, this is how I see it, God. And sometimes we don't look through the lens that God looks through. We look through it as a human, as selfishly. I want it for what, what I want. I want it this way because this way feels better. This way seems better. Paul could have done the same thing, but what did Paul do? That will be done. Don't break my heart. Don't tell me what's going to happen. I already know. <laughs> they told me in Ephesus, they're crying in Ephesus on the beach. They have, they've told me here on Caesarea, and now y'all are breaking my heart because you're telling me not to go because I'm going to get arrested. And Paul, I think you wanted to scream, I know I'm going to be arrested. God told me back in Acts chapter 9, that was my calling. I have to suffer so that the Gentiles, and by the way, raise your hand again if you're a Gentile. That's all of us in the room. We're all Gentiles, by the way. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile today. 
I have to suffer so that all of people that come to Town Creek Baptist Church today could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got to tell somebody who believes, and then somebody's got to tell somebody, and then somebody else tells somebody. Before long, listen, all of America has heard the gospel. We've come to the place in, in North America. Now we're sending missionaries. Uh, people are sending missionaries to us again. We're sending missionaries across the world. Do you see what God's doing? God's plan? You say, well, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay in my house. I want to live right here the rest of my life. Is that God's plan? I want to keep this career because if I just work to 60 or 65, if I just make it here, then, then, then I'll do what God wants me to do. Is that God's plan? If y'all remember Gary and Mary and, and still pray for Mary, she's in the nursing home now, but Gary came and he was our next door neighbor and Gary, they were good people. They were really good people. They were godparents, if you will, to my kids. Wendy can tell you. Our kids had a special jar. The Hunts know them. Our kids had a special place in their house for candy. Uh, just terrific people. But they were lost. And, and, and Gary would talk. We would have all kind of conversations. Why, why haven't you guys accepted Christ? Well, you know, we'd talk about religion and all kind of different things. Never got the true answer. And then when I became pastor here, lo and behold, here comes Gary and Mary in the, in the church. And, and I, what are y'all doing here today? And, and Gary said, I don't know if you remember, but I told you, if you ever, God called you ever back to Aiken and you're going to be the pastor of a church, I'll come here, you preach. I don't remember him ever telling me that. But Gary was having problems with ulcers in his throat. He said, I, I said, well, I've been praying for you. Wendy was telling me that you got this stuff in your throat. How's it going? He goes, you haven't heard. I said, no, I haven't heard. What, what is it? He said, I've got lung cancer. And I guess the exposure that he had some time ago uh, at the nuclear plant, he, something he had. But he, he had it in his throat. He had uh, ulcers in his throat. And that Sunday, God just led me to say, I don't know who's in the room that needs to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I gave a simple prayer of salvation. And it went like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe God raised him from the dead in three days, just like he said. And I'm asking you to forgive me and come into my life. Well, at the invitation, as we do each Sunday, I really believe God moves in people's lives. I'm sitting here waiting, and here comes Gary. Gary walks himself down, and I'm like, what's he doing? He's never been to church here. I, I don't know what to do because we're not usually familiar with customs until we've been to somewhere a while. And... He comes up and I said, Gary, what, what can I do for you? He goes, I just prayed that prayer. I received Christ. Praise God. Sit right here. One of the deacons, I don't know who it was. I, Martin, maybe I don't know who back in the day. Come sit with him. And then there comes Mary. She comes walking down. Well, Mary, I thought she was going to come. She said, no, I need to talk to you. And I said, uh, what are you coming for today? And Mary, if y'all know Mary, she was very <laughs> forward. She, just, she says what's on her tongue and on her mind. And she said, I just prayed that same thing. I didn't know he was coming. I just, I just prayed. I prayed that with my eyes closed, and then he's down here. I'm not following him. I'm coming because of me. That's how Mary talked. She was always quick talking. And Gary told me something that stuck with me. He said, Clint, I worked my whole life for the golden years, and now I'm dying. But here's what I told him. Listen, I said, the golden years are still to come because God uses what we treasure is gold as pavement for the main street in heaven. Did you know that? The street of gold in heaven. So obviously I had the privilege of doing Gary's funeral. And I had the privilege of knowing that he knew that he had accepted Jesus Christ because he was just doing me a favor because I was a young preacher coming to town. And he said, if I ever come back to town, you'd come hear me. 
Is that a coincidence, church? There are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. God constantly is moving his plans. He's moving people all over the world. As a matter of fact, we'll do it. We haven't done it in a while because it upsets the Aiken people, but the originals. I want you to see. I want you to do just a quick 30-second break. If you're not from Aiken, South Carolina, I want you to stand up. Not from Aiken, South Carolina, originally. This really bothers all the Aiken people, just for record. Just kidding. All right, sit down. If you're from Aiken, South Carolina, originally, not New Ellington doesn't count, Aiken. Granderville doesn't count, Aiken. Let me see you. Look, we're changing. Isn't Aiken changing? I'm from Spartanburg. I'm not from, you may be seated. What I want you to see is God has brought us from all different kind of places to this place. For what reason? You have to ask a question. You say, well, my job brought me here. Who's in charge of your job? God, my family brought me here. Who's in charge of your family? Hard times brought me here. Who's in charge of hard times, church? God's in charge of all things. This is God's plan. This is the plan of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you have it marked in your Bible? If you would go with me there to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Old Testament. So many people say, listen, you can't rely on the uh, Proverbs to actually be a truth directly from God that you can live by. I disagree. I disagree. Look what this proverb says. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. These aren't just pithy sayings in the Bible. These aren't just wise sayings. This is a truth from the Word of God. This writer of Proverbs is the same man who was inspired by God to write this word. And God said, write this down for my people. And listen what God says to us today. Verse 5, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Are you there? Say amen. Here's what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he, he will do what, church? He will direct your paths. God will show you which way to go. When you don't know what to do, God will show you what to do. Now, it might not be in your timing. There's a good chance it's not in your timing. God's not obligated to do it your way. God's not on your clock or your calendar. Did you know that? It's for his glory that does all things. Even in the bad times, he's going to come to the, this very place, like in Paul's life and in your life, He's going to use that awful situation to bring him glory if you simply will trust and obey. Go to your notes if you would. Paul, second sentence, Paul knew how to glory in tribulation. He submitted to the church leadership and fulfilled what was requested of him. Would you agree he did everything they said to do? The elders of the church said, go do this. Paul said, okay, I'll do this. Paul actually cost him money out of his own pocket. He went more than likely shaved his head as well. We don't have 100% proof of that, but he, these men would have their head shaved to show that they have made a vow to God. He went to the temple. He paid the price. And in seven days, he was going to make an offering to complete this vow, but seven days never got to be finished. Paul was obedient to the leaders, but it got him beaten. Can you see God's plan? You mean it's God's plan for Paul to come meet with the church. We have a business meeting. The elders, the, the leaders say, okay, this is what we prayed about because these are men filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't give him bad information. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So go do this. This will show all people. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. The elders, James and the elders were filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke, who's writing this, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do y'all see that these men were filled with the Holy Spirit? With the Holy Spirit filled, listen, and you're obedient to him, listen to him. Can you go wrong? God makes no mistakes. Amen? Let me try it again. Y'all are half asleep. God makes no mistakes. Amen? 
This is the truth in the word of God. He makes no mistakes. He's immutable. He can't change and he can't make a mistake. God never sins. God never can make mistakes. So when the elders of the church said, go do this, they were doing it under the inspiration of God. Paul said, yes, I'll do that. He didn't feel like he was violating his salvation in Christ alone. He agreed to it. And when he does it, he takes a beating of his life. You mean if the pastor asks me to do something, I do it, and then somebody ridicules me or I get trashed out or have a car wreck or something bad happens, that's the will of God? Well, let's keep reading what happened to Paul. Because we can clearly come back and say, well, Paul just is the wrong place at the wrong time. But did you see Acts chapter 9? Do y'all remember? It's been so long since we've been there. What was told of Paul? He's been chosen to suffer for the gospel. God, you say, well, why would God do that? Ask him when you get there one day. This was God's plan. Paul had persecuted the church, and Paul even says, listen, what little bit do I have? All my education, all my background, my family heritage, all my money, everything I've ever had, I count it as rubbish. He even uses the word dung we can't use in the church. We can't say poop in the church. But that's what Paul said in Scripture. That's what he counted all of his accolades in life as. And he says, yeah, but there's one thing I count right? The, the glory of God. And, and think about today. Paul is sitting in the presence. He's been sitting in the presence of the Lord Jesus now for almost 2,000 years. You think it's getting old up there in heaven? Not a day goes by, it gets old. It says praise. Paul, God said in Acts 9, you're going to be persecuted for my namesake. You will be my witness. You'll take the gospel to the Gentiles. And listen, I stand here as a Gentile today to tell you, thank God that Paul was obedient to bring the message to the Gentiles. Somebody flew over here, floated over here, somehow got the message over here that I might be saved. Praise God. That you might be saved. Listen, your salvation, we, we cheapen grace today because it seems like it's everywhere. You want to hear a message? Go to a church. You want to hear good singing? Go to a singing. This seems like it's on every corner. We cheapen grace because we think we can just get it when we want it but we're not promised tomorrow. Paul persevered. This is the next thing. Paul persevered, though he was abused and arrested. Paul was experiencing God's plan. You say, well, how can that be? The answer is, I don't know. I just trust the word of God. Paul persevered. God used a commander from a pagan invading army to rescue Paul from a premature death. God's plan. What is the Romans doing in Jew, uh, Jerusalem? The Jews don't want the Romans there. I was trying to think of a modern-day equivalent. Imagine today when our American troops went into Iraq. Did the Iraqis want us there? Some wanted to be, some did, some didn't. Afghanistan, did they want us there? We had reports of our, some of our soldiers, they were actually, uh, there was child abuse that's happening in Afghanistan. It's a very morbid, awful thing that happens in that portion of the Middle East. And one of our soldiers beat the uh, commando from the Afghanistan army. I don't know if you remember reading this. He was an officer in the U.S. Army. His officer, the commander did something. I know there's children in the room, so I got to be careful. But he had a 12-year-old boy chained to his barracks bed. And you can imagine the rest. And our soldier found out about it and beat the commando almost to death and released the boy. Our soldier got relieved of duties here in America because that was a cultural thing that you can't touch. Uh, and evading, if he didn't, he didn't, he was from the U.S., he didn't belong there, but he took up for one of the people who were there, right? That's a picture of what's happening here. This commander, what is he doing? He got assigned there. He got his orders 
to Jerusalem. And whatever God he called on, I can imagine he used a few choice words. Nobody wants to go to Jerusalem. Those people are crazy. They're always revolting. They're always, they say they serve another God, another king. They're always crazy people. They're always in an uproar. They're always fighting. But that was his assignment. Can you imagine when he was born, little baby, did God know he was going to be a commander of an army in Jerusalem on the day Paul was going to take a beating so he might save him? He said, well, that messes my head up too much. That's too much thinking. Aren't you glad God's God and we're not? We've never planned it this way. This, this young man that was born, this commander, he's in charge. He saves him. He's at the right place at the right time. He saved Paul from a premature death. And watch what happens. Paul's character was tested when his very own people railed against him after beating him. They shouted, crucify him, away with him, let him die. They wanted him dead. He still wanted them saved. Could you imagine that? When somebody says something ugly? <laughs> Think about the church of today. Well, pastor, you don't know what they said to me. They hurt my feelings. Well, Paul got his feelings hurt too. In the back, he got hit by a rock. In the head, he got hit by not the feelings, F-E-E-L-I-N-G, that you have emotions, but his feelings all over his body. He took a beating, he took a whipping. He's scarred up because of all the other times. Remember, he's been left for dead after stoning in Europe and Asia. Paul's been through a lot of stoning. He's been through a lot of fights, a lot of beatdowns. And this is a, listen, this is a title belt beatdown right here. Everybody in Jerusalem versus Paul. Anybody want to take those odds on? He's a small frame man too if you read about him, who he is. Look, I put it in here and I almost couldn't even type this. I typed God's plan. You mean God will allow me to take a physical beat down from a bunch of people so that he might receive the glory? That sounds like a sick God, doesn't it? Doesn't it? If you think about it from a man's point of view. But remember, God had a plan. He had to get Paul where? Paul had one more uh, destination. Where was he going? He's got to get to Rome, right? And who just arrested him, put him in chains? A Roman commander. <laughs> he just got arrested. Paul's way, I'm going to come from the outside, preach into Rome. God says, oh, no, you're not. You're going to get arrested, preach on your way. I'm going to put you in the middle, right in the palace. I'm going to put you in the middle, and you're going to preach inside out. Totally opposite of Paul's thinking. Paul said, I'm going to Rome. I'm going to preach to everybody. But he couldn't get everybody. But these guards who are going to fall prey to listening, because every time there's a king mentioned or there's a pro-council mentioned, there's men standing by listening. They're not supposed to hear, but they're listening. You ever had that? In the military, I had a top secret clearance, and I would have to take my top secret folder out of the, our top secret space, and I'd have to march it up to the captain, and I would have to, Stand beside the captain while he read it on the bridge. Unsecure place. Made me so nervous because I took my clearance, uh, uh, all the regs they gave me, seriously. And he would be reading it, and he's an engineer, so he didn't care anything about top secret stuff. Captain, you can't show that. Captain, you need to clever that. Captain, I'm going to take the board back if you don't sit up straight. And this man's been in the military 25 years, but casually reading. Captain, you need to do this. And the quartermaster's over there with big eyes like this, trying to look across the bridge at my top secret board. And I'm like, Captain, I got to get the quartermaster to come look at this. I took it so serious. I was 19 years old, top secret clearance. Nobody look at the board. How do you think these people did their job? Everybody wants to know the secret. What's that guy got arrested for? Man, he tore the whole city out there, ticked off. And as he preaches the word of God to these leaders, what's happening to all the soldiers around? What's happening, church? They're listening. 
How about your life today? When you speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, you speak about Jesus in terms that people can listen. Even if they overhear your conversation, they'll say, praise the Lord. Or they hear your conversation, what a hypocrite. Man, I thought that man and woman was a Christian. They're talking just like us. Paul didn't do that. Paul had every reason to complain. Why are you Romans in our town? Why don't you Jews, my brothers and sisters, beat me down? Paul didn't do any of that. Paul says, hey, hey, can I take a minute to speak to the people? And the man says, you speak Greek? Paul said, yes. It was a misunderstanding. It wasn't. And the commander says, go ahead, speak. Last couple notes. Although he suffered greatly, Paul appealed to the commander who arrested him to speak to the people. Remember, they wanted him dead. What did Paul want? Paul wanted them saved. They wanted Paul dead. Paul wanted them saved. The commander granted Paul permission to address the crowd, and Paul never lost hope. Church, if I can say anything to you today, if you don't get anything out of this message, never lose hope sharing Jesus. They won't listen to me, Pastor. Don't lose hope. That coworker we prayed for, don't lose hope. That friend we're praying for, don't lose hope. That family member, it seems like there's no way. They're so hard-headed. They're so deep in drugs or alcohol, whatever it might be. Don't lose hope. You say, well, Pastor, that sounds good. It's great sermon notes. Where does that come from? Let me show you after I show you this. Paul sees the opportunity to share his God story. This was God's plan. This was God's plan. Before this Roman commander, before all the people he'll go before, Paul is going to share his story. Now roll with me if you would. That's our last passage of scripture to read today. Acts and in the very book of Romans, what does Paul write? Church, this is powerful stuff to think about the man who's almost died for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we believe he has died at least once because he got a privilege to go to the third heaven. Go to Romans chapter 5. You're there, say amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, justified means you're guilty. You're guilty of sin and you're guilty as sin, church. Did you know that, friends? You're guilty, guilty, guilty because you were born of your mother. You're guilty of sin. It's like a river that flows. We talked about this many times. The river flows. When, you're, when your mama gives birth to you, you're going straight to where? Come on, help me. We don't like to say it because it's church. When you're born of your mother, you're on a one-way ticket to where? Hell. Hell. But Jesus, the cross of Christ, stands right at the forks of the river and says, listen, whosoever will may come. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't go to hell. Come to Jesus. Go to heaven. I know that's elementary 101, but that's what he wants you to do. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why God raised him the third day from the dead. He stands at the fork of eternity of life saying, whosoever will may come. And we say, well, Lord, you don't understand. I got this. Whosoever will may come. But Lord, my mom, whosoever will may come. And it's a decision. Somebody asked, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. You're already on your way to hell. Do you understand? That river's flowing straight to the lake of fire. He gives you and me a choice today to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. To know that we know that we know that we've received him and we have been born again that we might have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That 
is the promise of heaven. That's what Paul knew. And that's why Paul could take this beating. That's why Paul could feel all this pain and anguish and stand up and say, can I speak to them just for a second? He's probably bleeding from his lip. He's bleeding from his head. He's, he's been abused by these people. He's bruised. He might even see the man that threw the blow to his fist, fist to the face. And he says, let me, let me motion. Let me, let me talk to him. And he stands up and he speaks to him. He motions with his hand. And the, when he speaks Hebrew, everybody gets really quiet. And you're going to see next week as he starts to preach, he tells God's story through his life. He tells his story that God did. Well, let's finish what he says, verse 2 in Romans. Through him also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's what we talked about with Scott this morning. There's rejoicing one day, one day, one day. Amen? Are y'all counting for the day? Because this Sunday we're seven days closer than we were last Sunday. Amen? Amen. Watch what Paul says. Now listen, listen to the story we read today in Acts 21 and see if it fits the narrative here in this very small passage. Verse 3, and not only that, not just great stuff of salvation, not just the stuff I got told you about, watch this, but we also glory in what your Bible says? Tribulations. Do you glory in your tribulations today? Or do you get on social media and tell everybody, <laughs> that's, how, that's how the Christian church is today. I'm on a pastor's social media, they're crying, my pastor, there's people in my church so mean. I said, consider the Apostle Paul. That's how I respond. Could you imagine the Apostle Paul crying, Lord, it ain't fair. Give me Facebook or Snapchat. I just want to tell somebody my problems. And I want at least 50 likes on this. And I want some emojis, right? That's how we do life today. We are patty cake Christians, are we not? We can't take anything today. We cry about everything. We cry about everything. It's not fair. I don't like Joe Biden in all his ways. I don't like this and that. I don't like whatever. We just cry over and over again. And here's what God wants. Cry out to the one who can do something about it. Cry out to the one who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Cry out to King Jesus and say, Lord, you know what happened. Everything happens according to your will. Even the things I like and the things I don't like. The things I agree with, the things I don't agree with. You're in charge, Lord. Change this way. Change their hearts or change their location. That's what I pray. And I mean it as I pray. I think that's biblical. But watch what Paul said. Knowing that the tribulation produces what, church? Does this look like it matches your notes? Because it came straight from the Bible. Tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. Look at your notes again. Paul's character was tested. And his character develops what, church? Hope. And he wraps it up like a nice pretty bow. Listen, this is like a Christmas present. Think of a big bow. Here's what he says. Verse 5. Mark this in your Bible. If you mark your Bibles, circle X, whatever you do here, but mark this. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul is saying you're not going to get to hope till you start with tribulation. And then when tribulation comes, instead of crying about it, praise God about it. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I don't want this in my life. I don't want this with my friends or family. But Lord, your will be done. And when we cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ, tribulation is going to produce perseverance. What does perseverance produce? Character. And listen, when you come to that place, what's the ultimate goal of God? To give you a hope and a future. Can you see it? God's way is the best way. Matter of fact, God's way is the only way. 
We just want to do it our way because we want to be in control of it. Church, I've said it a thousand times. I'll probably say it a thousand more as long as God gives me breath. If we do it God's way, what happens? We get God's results. It's part of God's plan. Listen, God wants to build a hope in your life. Not a, I hope so I'm saved, but a no so I'm saved. And I know that God's going to carry me through. Well, how's he going to do it, Pastor? I don't know. How's he going to do it, Dana? I don't know. But I know God. How's he going to do it, Mary Beth? Y'all, y'all, you go through the struggle. But God is faithful. The one who has called us is faithful, church. How about we be obedient today? We trust him. Lord, I can't see. It's dark days. I can't see how you're going to do it. But because you said so. Remember Peter? Cast out into the deep. But Lord, we fished all night and we didn't catch a single thing. But because you said so, I'll do it. And church, friends, today, if you've never given your heart life to Jesus Christ, God said so. He said you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And he sent Jesus as the Savior of the world, that Redeemer we said about, Emmanuel. God said so. That was God's plan that you would receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. He wants to talk with you and walk with you. He said so. And Christian, he wants you to follow through with believer's baptism. He said so because he wants everybody to show what's happened on your inside, outside. He wants everybody to see. And when you're baptized and you start acting in sin, getting crossways with people, we come to you as a brother and sister of Christ. Say, listen, you said so. You publicly said so. You said, hold me accountable because I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. You said so. Therefore, we're obligated to be your brother or sister and hold you accountable to what God said so. That should have been a big amen right there. There's a lot of said so's, wasn't it? We have a duty to love each other, to demonstrate God, and then to be trusting and obey him all of our lives because he said so. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan. Will you join him? Only you can make that decision for you. I, I, if I could force you, I would. Trust me, I would. My nature is to make it happen. But I can't do anything even for my own family. I can't make my kids or grandkids say so. I have to trust and pray that God would do something, a work in their life only he can do because he said so. We have an invitation. We're going to pray, and, and we're going to have a time for you just to come and pray before this altar if you want to, or come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. What better day than today? To receive Jesus. What better day to recommit your life? Lord, I've been messing up. I've been backsliding so far, Lord. No one can tell that I'm a Christian. I want to renew my life today. I want to be baptized today. I want to go forward today. I want to answer the call to the ministry of missions today. Whatever it is God's put on your heart, to listen, respond to him in love today as yes, Lord, yes. Let's stand together and I want to pray for us. Father God, I do ask you that we would be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake, amen and amen.